0: Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Oh, clap your hands on you people. Hallelujah. Praise God. What an awesome time we're living in, as a season the Feast of Israel was not for Israel, it was the Feast of the Lord. And there were certain times when God told Israel, I want you to come before me. And at that time when they would come bringing gifts to God, God would open the windows of heaven and just bless them till they couldn't hardly stand it. And here we are right here, Sacrifice Sunday between Passover and Pentecost, Hallelujah! Right. hallelujah, and God's doing awesome things. Seems like God's just stepping around things and, and uh, shaking the world a little bit. I've been interviewed—I don't know how many times—on the movie *The Passion*. I've had a newspaper editor call me the other day, and he said, uh, "I noticed on your website, on the—I guess that's where he got it—on the United Pentecostal website—that you're the coordinator to the outreach to the Jewish people." And he said, who is really responsible for Jesus dying? I said, you're talking to him. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm, I'm responsible. I was the one, the reason he got nailed up. Hallelujah. He said, I'm serious. And I said, I am too. If it hadn't been for my sins, he wouldn't have had to go to the cross. I said, my spit hung from his face. My fist was the ones that punched him. And I said, I was responsible for Jesus dying on the old rugged cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, he's really responsible. I said, really nobody because he's not dead. Hallelujah, he's still alive. Praise God. Praise God, he's still alive. Then he said, "Uh, is your church anti-Semitic? Are you for the Jews? And I said, we go to church every Sunday morning and Sunday night, most of us, and worship a Jew. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love Jesus with all my heart, hallelujah. Well, everybody just lift your hands before we get into the word and just have a little session of loving him. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Praise, God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah come on, pray on the Holy Ghost a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Luke, the 15th chapter in your Bible. Luke, the 15th chapter. Appreciate so much, brother and sister Gleason and and uh, when we talk, it's not near as formal as he makes it sound. I say, "Hey, Stan, this is Ollie." <laughs> hallelujah! I can't do me good as Justin can, but but uh Hallelujah! Some young man was imitating me the other night, traveling with the Gateway Group, and and uh, my son walked up and said, "Boy, you've been making fun of my dad. I'm going to whip you." And <laughs> he said, "No, Hallelujah." Luke, the 15th chapter, the 11th verse. When you got it, say, We got it, Brother Charlie. And he said, A certain man had two sons. Everybody say, Two sons. They were both rebels, but one left, and the other stayed at the house. And the younger them said to his father. Let's use the Hebrew word here for father. Everybody say, The young man said to his Ab. Ab. Give me the portion of goods that falleth in me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine. Just, just hold it just a minute. Uh, what a while ago, a lady or somebody up here, I couldn't see who it was, gave a message in tongues, and it was for interpretation. And uh, I want to tell you what the interpretation of that was before we get on into our text. The interpretation was this. My presence is in this place. My purpose is in this place. My person is in this place. Don't be drawn away with your eyes and don't be drawn away with your mind. But fix your mind on me and your eyes on me because my purpose and my passion is in this place. Look not to the right nor to the left, but look on me, because I want you to see my passion and my purpose. I, your Lord, have spoken this day, was the interpretation. So let's go up the lines of our mind. Come on, everybody say, let's go up the lines of our mind. The 14th verse. And when he had spent all, there was a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the hush that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my... I've lost you already, hallelujah. How many hired servants of my... have bread enough and to spare, and i perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my and will say unto him, I have sinned against him and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hard servants. And he arose and came to his. But when he was yet to a great to, way off, he saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him, and the son said unto him wrong. The son said unto him, Abba. I'm sorry I set you up like that. Hallelujah. The son said unto him, Abba. Abba. And I'm going to preach a little while today on Abba, Father. Hallelujah. Abba, Father, you may be seated. God bless you all. I know it sounds like semantics to you, but there's a difference. The word Ab means the head of. It means the progenitor. It means the author of, hallelujah. And it means the high office holder, ob. George Washington is the ob of our nation. Henry Ford is the ob of uh, the Ford Motor Company who uh, helped Hitler gas the Jews, hallelujah. Just throw that in, hallelujah. And ob means the head of a progenitor But Abba is a term that a child only uses when he's in his father's arms and loves his father. Come on. And Jesus painted the poignant picture and hung it forever on the walls of our spirits. I want you to go with me to Israel and you see on a high hill a house. And around that house is a big gate and a wall and from the wall running down is a winding path and at the end of that path, there's a gate. And on the gate is a mezuzah we touch, going in and coming out. And when we go in and come out, we touch the mezuzah and say, Shema, Yisrael, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Here is Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But something gets your attention. Standing in the gate is two men. One of them is an older man and the other is a younger man. The older man, with one arm, he holds the boy up, and with the other arm, he holds him to him. There's a tear running down the face of the older man because the son that he loved has come home. The younger son has nothing to offer him but the stink of the pig pen. He has nothing to offer him but failure. He has nothing to offer him but rebellion. In fact, in his feet is a bag that used to be the inheritance that he squandered. Come on. God has given us such an inheritance. I I was lucky enough to be born in the time when I have got to know some of the giants of Pentecost. Come on. I remember one day at Papa Foster's house, and he was uh, there at the merger when the United Pentecostal Church came into existence, and Paul Paul Foss was frying me some fish, and he said, I was at uh, Christ Temple in Indianapolis, Indiana, and Bishop G.T. Haywood preached for seven hours, and nobody left. Can you imagine that? I wish to God we could get that hungry for the gospel again. Preached seven hours. And then he said, I'm going into my office, and I'm not coming out till next Sunday. And Bishop Haywood, uh nailed the door shut, and he came out the next Sunday and said, I didn't get a sermon while I was in there, but God gave me a song and began to sing, I see a crimson stream of blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Hallelujah. Come on, what a heritage we have. And the young man has spent it all. The young man has spent it all. And all he has to offer the Father is the smell of the pig pen. Now I'm going to tell the church something just a minute. Anytime you get into this dimension, and, and you get into talking about uh, taking back territory the devil has, the devil's going to fight us. Come on, the devil doesn't like what's happening right here. The devil doesn't like what's happening to life, church, so you need to kind of shake yourself and get in here and get in the rumble with me. Come on. I came here to rumble today. Hallelujah. When I was in the world, I used to pair brass knuckles, and now I'm in the church. I got an Action T38. Hallelujah. Come on, he came to take what belongs to us. Come on, Kansas City doesn't belong to the devil, it belongs to the one God, apostolic Jesus' name, people. So come on, let's store ourselves. And the young man has come home. Everybody say, I remember the day I came home. All he has to offer the father is heartbreak, the smell of the pig pen. His back is covered with the filth of the pig pen. But he knows he's got to get back to his father's house. He says, Abba, punish me, devote me. I'm willing to give up my name. I'm willing to become a servant. There's only one problem. The father is not willing to stop being a father. Come on, hallelujah. I said, the father's not willing to stop being a father. Seven times he called him Ab. But when he got in his father's arms, he said, Abba, which means my daddy. I love you, hallelujah. Come on, I don't care what the storm is. You need to learn to calm up in your Abba's arms and let him hold you through the crisis. See, to the 21st century Gentile, you have no concept of what it meant for somebody to call God Father. In all the Talmudic volumes, in the Babylonian Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, the Mishnah, the Targums, the Heftores, the Masoretic text, no Jew ever calls God Father. And when Jesus called him Father, it meant that he was more than just a man. Come on, it meant that he was God wrapped in flesh, come to redeem the world. The first recorded words of Jesus is, Don't you know i got to be about my Abba's business? The last recorded words of Jesus was, Into my Abba's hand, I commend my spirit. Come on. In John alone, he calls him Abba 156 times. He always used this term, except when he was on the cross and sin came on him. And he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know why? I like what Pastor Gleason said, it's not about buildings. Come on. It's not about religion. If it was about religion, I would have been in the synagogue Friday night and been home schmoozing today. It's not about religion. It's, he wanted a relationship. He wanted somebody to put his arms around. He wanted somebody to touch. I talked to a lady the other day, and she said, I'd like to come to your church, but I've been married nine times. And she said, the, the man I'm living with, I'm just living with now. And I said, you sound biblical. And she said, I'd love to come to your church, but they wouldn't want me in there. She said, I've been a drug dealer. She said, I've been a prostitute. She said, I've been a go-go dancer. And I think her go-go went, went a long time ago. Hallelujah. She said, she said I've been married nine times. I'm living with a man in sin right now. And she said, you wouldn't want me. I said, you know what? God's been looking all over this city for a mama that's been married nine times to sit on the front row and clap her hands and jump up and down and worship God. I said, if they don't want you sitting in there, Jesus is not going to come in there. Come on, if you don't want the baby that God has put in the room of this church, why build a nursery? I was talking to her. Preacher, I was staying in a preacher's home one time, and I don't do this anymore. I don't stay with preachers. I I got the, I got credit cards now. I can get me a motel. But I was staying with a preacher, and he had a boy about 17, 18, little old rebellious kid, and out thought he was cool, and And he was supposed to be been home at midnight, and they woke me up arguing at 3 o'clock in the morning. And when the boy walked in, his daddy looked at him and said, Good morning, child of the devil. The boy said, Good morning, Father. Hallelujah. And his wife was expecting another child. And, and she knew I had three children. She said, Brother Mahaney, the baby had never moved. And she said, Brother Mahaney, when will this baby move? I said, About two years after college, if you're lucky. Hallelujah. Come on the most exciting time in our lives. I thought my wife was the most beautiful when she was carrying our children. Come on, she'd say, Mahaney, I look horrible. She'd say, I'm swelling up, and I can't get up, and I've got to, I can't sit down. I've got to fall backwards. Hallelujah. Everything's off schedule. Nothing will fit. But to me, she was the most beautiful when she was carrying that little bambino. Hallelujah. And you know when the church is the most beautiful is when we're heavy with child, and we are laboring to bring this baby forth that God has put in the womb of this church. See, we're all going through seasons. 35 years ago, all of us wanted to look like Elizabeth Taylor and Marlon Brando, and now we're afraid we do. Hallelujah. But three times the Bible said we've been adopted. 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 And each time before it uses the word adoption, it said, we've received adoption. The word receive, received always proceeds the word adoption. Now, we biological parents have no concept of what it's like to crave and adopt a child. very close friend of mine, Brother R.G. Walls, he and his wife were uh, childless. And uh, about 18 years ago, they went to Mexico and adopted a little Spanish baby. And the night they brought it home, I got in my car and drove four hours, knocked on the door, and I said, I brought your little baby a gift. They just got off the plane in St. Louis and drove to Illinois from Mexico where they got the baby, and I brought the baby. He said, what is it? I said, I brought it some taco chips and salsa. Hallelujah. And they walked around just smiling about that baby. He, he said, I want to adopt a child. I said, R.G., I've got three kids. You can adopt all of them. Come on. We've got three children, all three born on August the 29th. Think about that sometime. We're really oneness. The the first boy and girl we wanted, but the third was one of those unplanned deals. Come on. You don't have to move or say anything. If you know what I'm talking about, say, "Mm mm-hmm. Hallelujah. But I I want them now. Hallelujah. My son is pastoring a church out in Texas and doing an awesome job. Hallelujah. I want them now, but but, uh, they were unplanned. But you never heard of an unplanned adoption. Come on, you don't hear about an unplanned adoption. I, I I don't know what it is to burn in my spirit for a child that has no future, no name, and go down and pick that child up and say, I love you, and I'm going to give you my name and my future. I'm going to be responsible for your college. Come on. I'm going to teach you how to drive. You remember teaching your kids how to drive? Huh? Come on, I said, God, if you just let me take one drink, hallelujah. He wouldn't, hallelujah. But you know what? Something burned in the bosom of the Father. God loved us so much. God said, I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they've been doing. Hallelujah. I don't care who you are. Every one of us was that child without a future. Every one of us had no hope. So you know what God done? God said, I'm going to wrap myself in flesh, and I'm going to come down and pick you up that has no hope and no future, and I'm going to love you. Come on. He found you. He signed the papers. He said, you're my child. Hallelujah. And I got news for you. He didn't adopt you because you was cute. Come on. Yeah, you know that's right. Hallelujah. He didn't adopt you because of your ability. I enjoyed the choir, but he didn't adopt you because you'd be up here playing the keys one of these days. And Come on. He didn't adopt you because of your intellect walking around talking about Homo sapiens who reside in crystallized domiciles should hesitate to project projectiles through the atmosphere and I hesitate to articulate lest I deviate from this present course of rectitude. (laughs) And I must cease from my verbiage lest I become inebriated on the exuberance of my own verbosity. That ain't why he found you. Come on, I wasn't pretty then like I am now, hallelujah, when he found me. Come on. He walked in and picked me up in cell block J, cell number 14. Hallelujah! And when we come, aflo- when I come flying in last night to Kansas City, and the wind was whipping that plane around, boy, I get serious when I'm on that airplanes, just like a bucking bronco or something. I was on one the other day, and they come on the intercom and said we're not going to uh, hold anything back. The FAA has radioed us and said they're pretty sure there's a bomb on the plane, and. Uh, one guy said, I want a drink. And I said, I don't. I want to pray. And it, another guy said, I'm with the preacher. Hallelujah. I was flying down to preach for Rex Johnson. He said, Oh, bo, there wasn't no bomb on the plane. I said, We know that now, Rexy Dale. But what about up there? See, God didn't see me with this reverend rig on. And when I flew into Kansas City, Listen, when I was a young preacher, I asked God to let me come to Kansas City. All my ministry, I've asked God, let me be involved in Kansas City. Because I I was living here when I was dealing drugs. I left town one night and the cops were chasing me and they'd shot the window out of my car. Hallelujah. And the next time I came back, I was preaching at general conference. Hallelujah. And I've always been in and and, and I flew in last night and God said there's a revival in the womb of this church. He said, "There's a revival and you feel it moving." He said, "There's a revival, and I sent Jim Larson to start. there's a revival, I sent Terry Black to start, and there's a revival, and I sent you today to deliver that revival, baby, and bring us to God's cause and God's awesome purpose." That's his mission. Not buildings. Come on, not religion. He had all that. There's never been another temple like the temple in Jerusalem. It took 40,000 slaves 10 years to build that. Just the gold in the Holy of Holies today would be worth $6 trillion. Come on. Never was another building like that. But you know what? He walked out and left that empty veil flapping in the wind and said, I'm going to Pentecost. I'm going to find me somebody that will worship me. Come on. You know why? Because 33 years prior to that, he took off his nail open in the carpenter shop and hung it on the nail of destiny and said, I'm leaving this place. I'm going because somebody has to have adoption. I got news for you. My face was the face that he saw. My voice was the voice that he heard. You know what? I think I would have come back when crosses were out of style. But he didn't care. He said, I'm coming to do it. I'm coming to do it. He laid down on the nails. I told a man the other day, I was on a television interview, they they wanted me to come on and talk about Passover, and they said, we're going to give you 10 minutes, and and I began to talk. I was on there one hour and 45 minutes, and people still calling and wanting to know about what Passover means and what's happening in our world. Our world is hungry for what we got. Come on, we're the greatest kept secret in the world. Hallelujah. Come on. And I thought about that. I thought, God, it wasn't about buildings and religion. Nails can't hold God to a tree. Come on, you can't hold God to a tree with nails. And a crown of thorns can't embrace the cranial structure and the thought patterns of a God that flung the stars to the farthest corner of the night and the greatest computer in the world is like a flea trying to figure out a 747 jet come on how can the hands that flung the world into existence stay on a cross because he came down to adopt us now listen to me the Bible said in Revelation that there's pillars in heaven and on those pillars he has your new name written listen God loves you so much that he's got into graffiti thinking about when you get home. Come on. Nobody in my neighborhood ever became a doctor because you can't uh, write prescription with a spray can. Hallelujah. But you know what? God loves you so much, he thinks about you, and he goes over to the pillars in heaven and writes your name on the pillars. Hallelujah. If God had a car, your name would be on the bumper sticker. Come on. He's carved your initial on every tree in heaven. And you know what the Bible said? He's got your name tattooed on the palms of his hand. Come on, that's how much he loves you. He doesn't care about the junk you're going through. I was preaching for one of these preachers that preach against everything but fresh air a while back. and My oldest son was going through some junk, and he said, I wouldn't put up with that if he was my son. I said, I wouldn't either if he was your son, Ignorant. Come on. I've got the joy of the Lord, and I'm going to have revival, and I'm not going to let this UPC Taliban stop me. Hallelujah. Come on. I'm going to love God. I want to know more about God. Hallelujah. I want to know him. The magnificent obsession of my soul is to know him. Come on, I don't want to know about your criticism. I don't know, I don't want to know about you critiquing your brother. I don't want to know about all the standards you think you have. Come on. See, there's people, they don't care if you're holy as long as you look holy. I'd rather some person be holy inside and not measure up to the little Pharisee club outside and be holy inside. He loves you. He loves you. Come on! I know you've been to the graveyard. You're like the man in the tombs. He went to the graveyard to bury something and never left the graveyard, just wandering around, moaning and bleeding on everybody. Come on! You need to realize it's not about you. Hallelujah! I like what Brother Gleason said. These aren't the colors. Some of you are going to get aggravated about the colors. Some of you are going to holler because the PA is too loud. I'm kind of hacked because it ain't loud enough up here, hallelujah. And you've got a church full of women anywhere from their mid-40s to their mid-60s, and there's no way you can adjust the temperature to suit them. Yeah, you got that, hallelujah. Come on. I made up my mind I've got the best decade of my ministry ahead of me, and I'm not going to spend it griping and complaining and being judgmental, and chasing the anointing away from me? Come on. You know what? When you're a sinner, you want God to accept you by faith. How many was a mess when you came to God? Come on. How many's been in God a while and you're still a mess? Hallelujah. Come on, I am. But you know what? When you come to God, you wasn't wasn't exactly like you needed to be. And you wanted everybody to accept you by faith. Come on. Why don't we learn to accept each other on credit that God is going to take us to where he's called us to? Good God, you do everything else on credit. Come on. had a guy the other night in a a, a Nehemiah project, a deal I do to help churches raise money. He said, only way I can raise money is uh, go down and charge it on my credit card. I said, go charge it. Just lock your wife away from Walmart and the mall and, 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 and charge it. Come on, we do everything else on credit. Hallelujah. See, the problem with God, the problem with God is he'd rather go to hell for us than to go to heaven without us. Hallelujah. Come on. God is for us. Everybody say that. God is for us. I'm going to say it again, God is for us. And say, if God be for me, who can be against me? The magnificent obsession of when I was a young preacher, when I was a young preacher, I'll be honest with you, I started out a uh, little in the hole more than most guys did. I met the district board for the first time in the state of Kansas, and, and uh, Brother Jimmy Hall was the superintendent, precious guy. And he said, what are you going to do if we don't give you a license? I said, I'm going to preach. God called me to preach in UPC, secondary. Come on. So I got out in the restaurant the next day and got up and preached for 40 minutes and introduced all of them. They gave me my license. Hallelujah. And, and my dream was to be accepted by the brethren. And I'm still not accepted by the brethren. Come on. Had a guy the other day tell me, he said, God hates you Jews. And I said, do you have Jesus in you? And he said, yes. And I said, you got a Jew in you. Ignorant! hallelujah. He didn't promote my new book out in the vestibule, Brother Gleason. I got my new book out there on the character of God, the way the Jewish people knew it. Hallelujah. So if you don't like me, you probably won't like the book. But I've never, been, I've never had the battle of Scripture where it says, beware when all men speak well of you. I told Brother Gleason, I said, You need, we need to have some conferences, had tact conferences, and have me and Jeff Arnold to preach them. <laughs> Come on. And then you know what? I wanted to, I wanted to preach at a camp meeting. I preached over 215 camps. I wanted to preach at general conference, and I preached at general conference uh, three different times. In fact, one year I preached a night service and he preached a day service. They hard to figure out which one was the most impacting. Hallelujah. <laughs> Now his was, I heard all about his, and they said, what was that fat guy's name? Hallelujah. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to write a book. I was writing three books, and God spoke to me and said, my people know about me, but I want my people to know me. And God said, I want you to write a book, and I want you to call it He's My God Too, and I want you to relate how the Jewish people knew him. T.W. Barnes told me the other day, he said, we've been needing this book for 50 years in our movement because it's about the character of God. And if we're ever going to have the revival, we're going to have to be like Jesus. Come on. We're going to have to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. Now walk with me along the road, not far off the Via Appia. It's a road in Rome. And all of a sudden, you hear a voice coming out of of somewhere and you hear him say, I think myself happy. And you hear another voice that said, I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I'm now ready to be offered the time of my departure is at hand. And finally it dawns on you that the voice is coming from a dungeon three floors beneath the streets of first century Rome. And it's coming from a man that's isolated and chained in that grim, gray, grimy hellhole called the Mamertine Prison. Come on. And his days are numbered. And he said, I think myself happy. Here's the key what made him happy. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. God showed him on the road to Damascus his purpose for his life, and we'll never be happy until we have the purpose for our life. I had a man call me this week, Brother Gleason, and you know him. He's worth $400 million. Has his own jet plane. He said, I'm buying 12 racehorses, and the cheapest one was $200,000. And I said, how you doing? He broke down and began to cry. He said, I'm not happy. He said, I'd give everything I own if I could one more time have the relationship I used to have with God. Come on, money's not the answer. Now watch this. It's Passover in Jerusalem. It's his last supper. How hard do you think it was for him to sing that night? Do you know they sang at the last, we call it Pesach. We had Passover for about 60 uh, preachers and their wives at, at, at Passover. And we went through all the, the things, showed them where Jesus was in the, uh, the bread and there. But you sang at the end. Of, we ought to, and, and, and you drank four cups of wine. We ought to worship like Jews that just drank four cups of wine. And they sang. And as they stand up, they, he takes that last cup and it's the bridegroom cup. He said, I won't drink this anymore until we drink it under the chuppah together and we're united and we consummate our marriage vows. And as he begins to sing it, and, and he sings the 118th Psalm, he said, I shall not die but live. Now this is Jesus when he's getting ready to go to Calvary and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastised me sore. What does he mean? He's laid all of my sin upon him, but he hath not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my Yahshua or my salvation or my Jesus. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This is not his face the cross. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now. You know what that Jewish Messiah says? Shana That means save us right now. I beseech thee, O Lord. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Baruchah, haba, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. I blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, which has shown us light. Bind the sacrifice with courage. And you know what, to that point, no sacrifice that a Jew ever made had to be bound with cords because there had never been a living sacrifice. He knew he was that sacrifice. That was his passion. Even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good for his mercy in death forever. And he turned the cup upside down and went to Calvary and he paid the price for my sin and everybody within a thousand mile range of here, he paid the price for your sins. See, that's how he could sing, facing the whip, because he knew God had called him to a purpose that nothing could deter that purpose. See, there's a joy, there's a joy that goes beyond owning things. It's a joy of not being owned by things. Come on. See, people who think they deserve everything are robbed of the blessing of gratitude because they think what they deserved everything they got. I don't deserve anything. Come on. If I had what I deserved, I'd be rotten over here in Lansing State Prison. I'd be dead with a bullet in my brain or an overdose of drugs. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve the wife I have at home in Little Rock today. Come on. I don't deserve to be able to stand in this pulpit. So every time I mount the steps to the sacred desk, there's an awe that comes over my spirit. And God said, it's not you that does it, son. It's I that does it. And if I don't do it, it won't get done. See, when you really get into God's purpose, you learn to hold everything loosely up to God. And you say, God, you take what you want. And then God always takes what he needs and lays a far greater gift back in your hand. The valley is for decision, the mountaintops is for vision. See, it's all his anyway. What an awesome time you guys live in. The time of vision, the time of sacrifice, the time of God's purpose. Come on, this is the most exciting time in the world. Hallelujah. See, the valley is for decision. You've been through the valley. You've moved all the way from 40th and Harrison to the high mountain. Hallelujah. God has taken you for his purpose. Everybody say purpose. Say passion. Say that's what God called me to. I was in San Diego one day preaching for Brother Jim Larson and Jim was flying in that evening and and, uh, so Brother had a ball. What's. Mark. I said, let's go to the swap meet. They call them flea markets here, but back there we call them swap meet in California. I said, let's go to the swap meet. I love to go to these places and Gentile people down. <laughs> what? Hallelujah. So we go up here, and there's a guy that's got a table full of medals. I'm talking about military medals. And he's got a medal of. Uh, purple heart and he's got one a silver star and he's got one some kind of medal for bravery and I walk up to him and and I didn't want to buy a medal But I, I, I like to talk to people and I said uh, how much for that? Uh, silver star he said 12 bucks. I Said you mean I can get a silver star for 12 bucks and not have to wear a uniform And not have to get my hair cut like that or not have to go through basic training no sweat. He said, right here, 12 bucks. And I looked coming through the crowd. was an old boy in a wheelchair with an American flag on a big old long aerial, just a flapping in the wind. And that old guy come up there, and he had one leg missing. He had a, his old Vietnam Army jacket on, had some medals pinned to it, old beard. He just took his cane and just turned that whole table upside down. He said, boy, you're not selling the medals that my boys died for. He said, well, it's over. He said, it's not over with me. He said, the reason you can do this, the reason you can act like this, the reason you can have the flag laying on the ground is you've not invested anything in our country. I invested everything I had in this country. Come on. See, the reason people can talk about the church and the ministry, you've not invested anything. But when you pour poured your life into this, it becomes precious to you. See, that's why, that's why the work of God is so precious. I stand on altars that my forefathers built. Come on. I stand on altars that people wept to have this gospel preached. I stand on altars and preach of people that was willing to lay their life down. Come on. When Abraham, when Abraham took, can't think of his Gentile, Itzach, Uh, Isaac, hallelujah when Abraham took Isaac and laid him down on that altar you know Isaac means laughter he told Sarah and Abraham said you're going to have a baby and Sarah laughed over behind the tent flap and God said you just name him laughter from now on every time you call his name you'll think you didn't believe God he said now I've blessed you and then he got to a certain age I think Isaac was 33 years old I know that don't fit well with the pictures and stuff, hallelujah, but he came to a certain age and God spoke to him and said, Abraham, take thy son Itzach, thy Yaqid, and there's only two times that word Yaqid is used, and that's when God laid Abraham down and when it said that God gave his only, his only yakid to redeem my life. See, you've got to buy into something if you're ever going to be used of God. In our chaplaincy, Brother Morgan, we, we, we talked the other day about we've got a $10 fee for a yearly chaplain's license, and somebody said, let's just blow off the $10 fee. And I said, No, it's not the $10. If you're not in, willing to invest something in the, the mission and, and and the sweat, then you're not going to do anything for God. Come on. My first son, I bought his car for him. We was traveling. My second son, I made him work and buy his car. We were sitting at a red light one day, and a boy peeled out, and I said, his dad bought that car for him. My first son, he had that car tore up in 90 days. My second son that had to work and buy his car, he armored all the hoses under the hood. Come on. You ever get bothered by people like Paul? Uh, Paul's marooned on the island. He's trying to build a fire, and people sitting up there won't even pick up a stick, and they want Paul to build a fire, but they won't even pick up a stick. Come on. They're sitting over there with their teeth rattling on the north side of religion and won't even pick up a stick. And when you begin to build a fire, there's going to be things that fasten to you that you need to shake off. Come on, I refuse anything that's not helpful to my destiny to fasten to me because it does. I'm going to shake it off. Hallelujah. And then they criticize Paul. Well, he must be a murderer. Or this wouldn't have happened. we, We forget Paul was a murderer. See, when it really gets tough is when the devil accuses us of what we really are. I had a guy offer to buy me a drink the other day on the plane. I said, no, I'm a Christian, I don't drink. He said, it's just as much sin to overeat as it is to get drunk. And I said, I'll tell you what, Jack, I'd rather meet a fat man on the freeways, a drunk man. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not going to worship because I saw that person worshiping that's a hypocrite. I'm not going to shrink myself down spiritually where I can hide behind the biggest hypocrite in the church. One guy told me, he said, I'm not coming to your churches full of hypocrites. And I said, boy, you'd feel right at home. Come on. Hallelujah. See, Abraham built an altar and laid what was... You've got to be willing to buy into some vision. He laid Isaac down on the altar. And by the way, that's the same place where one day David... When the plague was ripping through Israel, David, Gad came up and said build an altar and David built an altar at the same place Abraham built an altar. God said, "Build." I'm going to show you why God loved David so much, it wasn't because I've heard it preached because he could get out there and boogie and look like he was on soul train, hallelujah, that wasn't why God loved, him. I don't want to hurt you music guys feelings, but that wasn't why God loved David. You know why he loved David? Somebody said, because he was quick to repent. No. I gave all the pat answers too. You know why I love David so much? He said, I want you to build me a five by five by five by five foot altar. Five foot this way. And David said, God, if you want an altar, I'm going to build you a temple. And he said, David, you're like me in your heart because I'm just full of gifts. And I come with gifts in my hand. Hallelujah. I'm the blessing God. When that high priest would walk into the Holy of Holies one time a year, he would say one word. He would say Yahweh, which means blesser. God said, I'm a blessing, God. And the same place Abraham offered Isaac was where David built the altar, and that's where Solomon built the temple, and it's the same place where Messiah was nailed to a cross one day. See, there's something about an altar. That's what Brother Gleason was talking about. You've got to get everything and be willing to lay it on the altar. I don't have anything that doesn't belong to God. Come on. My wife told me a couple weeks ago, she said, this mother's memorial stuff is running me nuts. She's pledging for me. She said, Mahaney, I pledged $1,000 for us. I said, $1,000, honey. I got $3.15 in the bank. And she said, well, I pledged $1,000. And she said, you're the provider. So you know what I done. Instead of coming to Kansas City, I went through Nashville and preached an anniversary service last night and preached another little deal Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Come on, because we can have that to lay on the altar. We're going through a little financial crisis, and, and, uh, and, and, and so we're laying that on the altar. And when, when I go through a financial crisis, I begin to give, and God begins to get me out of that mess. Hallelujah. You know why? There's something about an altar. I said, there's something about an altar. You see, the Bible said in Corinthians, and this has always blown my mind. I want somebody that's smarter than me to explain this to me one of these days. It said, the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. And I asked God, this Bible, this book right here will shed a lot of light on those commentaries. Hallelujah. And I asked God, I said, God explain this to me like I'm a third grader, and God said, uh, you're pretty, getting pretty proud of yourself. Hallelujah! And I said, God, what do you mean the foolishness of God? It don't seem to me like God's got a whole lot of foolishness about Him. And the weakness of God, even His name El Shaddai, even His names belie His strength. I said, God, you're foolish. What is your foolishness and your weakness? And God said, My children are. He said, I'm telling you what. He said, I get foolish when it comes to my kids. He said, when my prodigal began to come home, I couldn't stay on that front porch, hallelujah. He said, when the prodigal began to come home, he said, I got up, hallelujah. I got off the porch, and I got involved in the picture, and I ran and fell on him. And, and the Bible said, kissed him in the King James. But you know what it says in the original? And kissed him over and over and just kept kissing him and kept kissing him because it's in the imperfect uh, gender. Hallelujah. Imperfect gender. Just kept kissing him. And God said, my foolishness is my children. He said, I seem weak to people because when my children mess up, I don't break judgment on them. And he said, that's my weakness, my children, and my foolishness is my children. He said, when one of my children sin, they don't die. But he said, what I've done at Calvary is so powerful. It holds their sin out there in suspended animation until they can get to my blood. He said, I'm foolish about my kids. Hallelujah. He said, I'm weak over my children. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, I'm weak over my children. And he said, you know what? He said, my kids can get in such a place worshipfully and honoring me and given that when they get in that place, I can't hold myself off of them. Hallelujah! Come on, God said there's a place in his children when we get to a place in loving him and worshiping him. Come on. Don't worry, there ain't many gonna, God's gonna dive on you right now out there. Hallelujah. But he said there's a place that we can get in loving him. Hallelujah. I was sitting in a barber chair not long ago and all of a sudden I had my eyes closed and I felt somebody put their arms around me and I don't want nobody hugging me up in a barber chair. And hair salon. And I opened my eyes, and nobody was there. The barber was over till and and I said, what? and God said, It was me, son. He said, I loved you so much, I just wanted to put my arms around you and love you. The barber came over and said, Did You get something in your eye? And I said, No, I'm just worshiping God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I'm telling you, there's spiritual postures that we can get into that our father cannot stay off of us. Come on, that's why at certain times in service when we enter into that dimension of worship that the Shekinah begins to roll and fall on us because God's foolishness is his children. For God so loved the world, he gave. See, God kept you for this moment in your destiny. From there to here, God has kept you come on there's seasons in your life there's seasons of planting you know what God woke me up I looked at the clock and it was 15 minutes till 5 this morning and Brother Gleason said I'll pick you up at 12.30 Charlie 15 till 5 and I said God I can hear you at 6 or 7 and God said I want you to have a morning sacrifice I said okay and God spoke to me And God said, you tell my people, if they want an unusual harvest, they're going to have to have an unusual sacrifice. Thank you, Brother Morgan. Somebody up in the balcony, I can't see. Hallelujah. Up in the cheap seats. Hallelujah, Brother Arnold said. God said, if we're going to have an unusual... I called Brother Gleason. It was last year during the uh, Feast of Yom Kippur and the Feast of covering. And that's when the high priest says the name of God one time a year. And and at that time, the gates are open. And I said, whatever you need, I said, you ask God for? Did I tell you that or not? Write it down. He said, I'm going to tell the church some of that stuff. Write it down. And he said, and write your vision down. My oldest son had been out of the church for 20 years. And my wife and I wrote it down. And I said, honey, before Passover, we're speaking that that boy will be back in church. Twenty years. Twenty years, Brother Morgan, he's been out, went through two divorces, drug rehab, alcoholism. He sung Sunday night at the church Hey Little Rock. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. He sung Sunday night at the church. And he said, I tried to find something I thought I had to have. I tried it in drugs. I tried it in marriages. I tried it in alcohol. And it was there all the time. He said, it was there all the time. Come on. God said, if you want to have a supernatural harvest, you're going to have to plant a supernatural seed. I told my wife when we made that prayer, I said, honey, We don't have any money. I'm not poor-mouthing. God blesses me. But if God would give me a million dollars today, I'd be broke next week because I'd give it into the kingdom of God. We can't even buy Bibles for inmates. Come on. And you don't come to God without bringing gifts. Come on, you don't just blunder into God's presence. You send gifts. That's the reason the Queen of the South sent all those presents, the caravan. You, and I said, honey, let's give a gift that we don't even have. Let's give a gift we don't have. And we gave a gift. And I said, God, I'm not asking you for money back. I'm asking for my family back. My son left the church when he was 16 years old. And we was riding along the other day And my wife said, honey, it's just like having Nick back starting all over again at 16 years old. I went to Walmart the other day, and he called me and said, Dad, don't ever go to Walmart without me again. Two months ago, I couldn't get him to wear a shirt. I bought him a shirt the other day, and he said, I want French cuffs like all you preachers wear. come over and the other day and put his arms around me and said, Dad, I can't wait to go with you. He said, I hadn't heard you preach in years. Are you still crazy as you used to be? And I said, no, your old dad's got old. toned down some now. He loves Brother Gleason. He come to me the other day after he had prayed through tears running down his face and said, Dad, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I'd have never made it back if you would have compromised on the truth. He said, I'd have never made it back if you would have abated me in my sin, but you stood against against my sin, not against me. See, the Bible said a man that a man that uh, doesn't take care of his own family, lead. And if you'll study that out in the Hebrew, it means a man that walks like he's supposed to in front of his family. It don't mean you beat up on him. He said, Dad, I'm getting rid of all the Everything. Anything that doesn't feel godly, I'm getting rid of it. Had a little mustache. And hair a little long. Hallelujah. Had a t-shirt on. Said, what are you looking at over there? You want whipped? Hallelujah. It whipped you too. Hallelujah. And you know what I I should have said? I'm not going to accept you until you get that hair trimmed up, shave that mustache, and get you a T-shirt that says, what would Jesus do? Had a guy turn around at the airport the other day and he had a T-shirt and said, what would Jesus do? I looked at him, he looked at me and I looked at his shirt and I said, first thing, he wouldn't wear a dorky shirt like that, buddy, hallelujah. <laughs> Now, Nikki, if you'll unhook your cable and quit reading, he's a motorcycle freak. He he loves motorcycles. Quit reading about those motorcycles and get that pool table out of your house and shave, straighten up. I love you and I'll forgive you. You know what I did? I said, come here, buddy. I said, Dad, I accept you. And that's the way God is. That's the way God is. That's the way God is. Come on. Had another preacher call me. And and Brother Cantu knows him. He's from California. And about 22 years ago, his son backslid and got into a a gay lifestyle. Uh, Interior decorator in Beverly Hills. Has done homes for Ed McMahon and Johnny Carson, different people like that. And that preacher called me and I said, what I want you to do... It was, it, it, it was at the time of some of the Feast of Israel. I said, I want you to write it down. You want your brother in church, and I want you to give an offering. Because when you come to God, you always want something from your hand to God's hand. He called me the other day and said, my brother's in church. He said he's bringing more people than anybody else in the church said he, he's left all that lifestyle, sold his deal. He said he's working at a car lot, cleaning up cars, and he was making over a million and a half a year and shut it all down. And he said, my purpose is greater than the life that tried to get a hold of me. Come on, if you want an unusual harvest, you're going to have to plant an unusual seed. I'm telling you, life, church. if you want to shake Kansas City, you're going to have to plant something that God says that's what it is, and I believe it. I studied this morning, the Bible said a man's gift will make room for itself. And we've always interpreted that, Brother Gleason, as, you know, if, you've got to, if you're called to preach, God will open the door. And, and, and if you'll stay, that's not what it's talking about. When you lay a gift on the altar, that gift you lay will push everything else back and make room for your provision. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Shalom, little mom. That ain't another baby, is it? Hallelujah. Okay, hallelujah. I just dedicate so many to a family. Hallelujah. See, when you lay your gift down, when you lay your gift down, do you believe that men of God have stood in this pulpit and said that God's got a special revival and a special dispensation and a touch for this last day? Do you believe men have stood there and said that? Then the gift is going to precipitate the coming forth of that vision. Here we are, standing between Passover and Pentecost. Hallelujah! Sacrifice Sunday. How many here has got a vision? You, your kids, your family, something. You got something that you. you it seems like it's going to eat you up if God. Does. Come on, lift your hand. If you don't, if you don't, you're backslid. Hallelujah! Come on. How many's got something? I'm going to tell you what. If you want the unusual harvest, you're going to have to plant the unusual gift. Come on, lift your hands and say, God, talk to me right now. Come on, lift your hands and say, God, talk to me right now. Come on, say, God, talk to me right now. God, talk to me right now. Kalada barata yabashata yabashata. I'm not talking about necessarily finances. I'm talking about planting yourself into the kingdom of God and buying into the vision. Come on. Hold the music just a minute. Just a minute. Brother Gleason picked me up and we went and ate and we came to the motel. He said, You want to go out and run around, Charlie? And I said, No, I'm gonna I'm just gonna crash. And he said, Me too. And he said, Let me tell you about a Tongues and interpretation, or was it a tongues interpretation or prophecy? Huh? I said, no, don't. He said, why? And I said, because God's going to reconfirm that tongues and interpretation, and I don't want to know what it is, because when God speaks it, you'll know that that was God confirming that. Close your eyes. For behold, I the Lord would speak unto you, my children. My spirit is searching the places in your life. My spirit is searching the deep places and the dry places. I have water for every dry place. I have a wind to blow away the residue of every deep place. I've sought you in your home. I've looked for you in your time of prayer. And I bring to each individual person in this place a special, a special anointing and a special touch. Each individual, I have a special touch and a special anointing. And because each one has a special touch and a special anointing, when you come together, each with your anointing and your touch, there's going to be a corporate anointing that's coming upon you like you've never witnessed because of the individual Anointing. The corporate anointing is coming. I've anointed you. I've anointed you. I've touched you. I've spoken to you. And each one sits around this place with their individual anointing. But I'm going to cause you to flow together in my purpose as a corporate anointing that will rest on everybody altogether. Release your anointing by your faith. Release your purpose by your gift. I did not anoint you one-on-one, one-by-one individually to be by yourself. I anointed you to bring the full corporate bodily anointing into this area and into this time. For this time, I, your Lord, has spoken this very day. Is that something like God spoke to you guys the other night, Brother Gleason? Exactly in a business meeting. Come on, lift your hands and say, God talk, God, talk to me. God talk to me. God talk to me. God talk to me. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, lift your hands and say, Abba. Abba. I'm planting a supernatural seed for a supernatural harvest. Say it. Say Abba. Abba. I'm, planting I'm planting a supernatural seed for a supernatural harvest. God, I love stuff. We got preachers all across the country. Brother Billy Cole's in agreement with us right now in this service. And Brother T.W. Barnes in Minden, Louisiana. And Brother Kenneth Haney, I told him, I said, Brother Haney, get in there. He said, I'm going to say, he said, I love the glaciers. God, they're so anointed and blessed people. God now here's where Brother Gleason and I are gonna have a little meeting after service, because I'm gonna get into some areas. He told me, don't get into it, Charlie. He told me, he said he come in the other day and his wife was crying. She'd been saving her money for a dining room suit. He said, what you crying about, honey? She said, God told me to take that money I've been saving for a dining room suit and give it into the vision for the mountain brother back here is selling his Harley Davidson. I don't know if I'd sell a Harley if I had one. When I'm talking about a purpose greater than anything we've ever had in our life. I'm talking about something that's going to ring through eternity. I said, what are you giving, Stan? He said, He said, I'm cashing in a retirement policy. I'm going to... Of course, he's not as close to retirement as some of us. There's been some of you men that's written, Brother Gleason, that he began to tell me what some of you said and some of you emailed, and I can't believe it. A man that loves to fish, giving his boat and motor. I was in a service the other night in Modesto, California for Randy Keys, and a Spanish couple in the hot summer went home and got their window unit air conditioner out of the house and husband on one end of it and mom on the other end of it and brought it and laid it on an altar and said so we want revival more we want an air conditioner in a hot 106 degree weather in Modesto, California. Now what bugs me is I'm gonna to have to stand in judgment. I'm gonna to have to be there around the throne with people like this. Little Spanish kid took his Nike tennis shoes off and come and laid them on the altar. He'd save soda bottles all year long so he could have those tennis shoes for school. Say, so, well, what happened? Brother Keys had a revival right after that, where around eight hundred people received the Holy Ghost. Come on, an unusual gift for an unusual harvest. Brother Gleason said, don't have people to commit and say openly, Brother Maine, that's just not our personality. Maybe we need to get out of our personality a little bit. Maybe we need to get crazy and let, and let, and let hell know I'm behind this vision and, and, and I've got a purpose in my life, and I'm going to have a revival that God called us to. I want every head about every eye closed. nobody looking. Maybe there's somebody like to stand and I'll come and and you tell us what God told you to put into this. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.